Amen. Yeah. Wow. It is New Series Sunday. Come on, church. Let's celebrate brand new series. Super, super duper excited. And I am so glad that you're with us today. Hopefully you're staying cool inside um, and staying out of the sun. Um, what's been your go-to drink from Starbucks? Yeah. So I haven't been there in quite a while. Yeah. My oh, whoa. <laughs> but yeah. I do like a good iced blonde American. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I got to go with the strawberry refresher. Yeah, okay. All right, nice, nice. But no, we're, we're praying for you, and we hope you're doing okay this summer yeah. as we kick off this brand new series. I am so excited. Uh, go ahead and grab a, a notepad and a pen and a pencil. Um, let's get comfortable. Let's get ready to lean into the word of God. Um, brand new series, The Way Up, The Way Up. I want you to also take a moment to hit that share button, uh, whatever platform you're joining us at, be it our, our website or, or YouTube or Facebook. Uh, share this link. Go ahead and shoot a text to your friends and and family members and, and get them on board. I believe that this series is going to be a game changer in your life. Oh man, we can all admit that this is a different and unusual season um, ever since COVID-19 hit. And, um, you know, I was really praying about, man, what do we do after, what do we do after fresh water? And uh, I was going to do a series called uh, Made for More, Made for More. And that series was going to be about, you know, how you're, you're made for more and destiny and all that good stuff. Now, I think, I think it's appropriate to, to preach and to teach those, those series, but it's almost like as, I, as if, you know, when I was going through fresh water, the Holy Spirit was guiding me in a different direction. And he said, instead of this high and lofty stuff, right, um, which is crazy, this series is called The Way Up. <laughs> but instead of this high and lofty stuff, I, I really want you to, to speak to to, to the heart, to the heart of, of the people. And um, I just believe that we, we have to be careful in this season as we wait on some kind of normalcy, as we wait to get back to work, as we wait to see our finances kick back in, as we wait on the healing or as we wait on, on the breakthrough, we have to be careful um, to not grow bitter in this season, to not grow bitter. I believe a lot of us are are at stake right now of growing bitter, not just at life or, or towards people, but bitter towards God. And so I, I want to encourage you during the next few weeks to, to guard your heart. The Bible says guard your heart. Guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. And that just simply means that whatever gets on the inside of your heart has the power to inform or influence how you live your life. So I really want to encourage you to guard your heart. And um, there is a general sense in which we are all kind of experiencing some lows in our lives, yeah. like some a, a lot of discouragement, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion. And it's just not it's just not a cool season right now. So what I want to do is I want to give us some necessary steps as to how to get up as to how to get up because bitterness, negativity, and discouragement, they're just downers, man. Right. 
they'll keep you down. And uh, so this series is all about giving you some key principles to elevating when you're down. I want to give you some key principles to elevating when you are down. And so I want you to go ahead and join me in 2 Kings. We're going to jump over to chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to start out with the first verse here. It says this here, the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. So Naaman is a, is a general because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. So, so this, is a, this is an unbelieving nation, Aram. Aram is modern-day Syria. And so, um, but God had, God had chose them in this season, and, and, and he was essentially raising up Syria, raising up Aram, raising up Naaman, this general. And it said God had given him great victories, but... Though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. He was a mighty warrior, but he suffered from leprosy. So Naaman is a general of the Aramean army. And and these are enemies of of God's chosen people, enemies of Israel about northeast of Israel. And the Bible says that God gave Syria or Aram great victories through Naaman's leadership. And so Naaman, you, you, can, you can consider Naaman as the second most powerful man in the nation. Very powerful man. Very, I mean, he's successful. He's influential. Um, the money is rolling. I mean, he's just going about life and, and he's just doing his thing and he's winning battle after battle after battle after battle, victory after victory after victory after victory. And then the Bible just comes in and it tells us that he suffers from leprosy. Some translation says that he was struck with leprosy. So it's just kind of going on and going on and going on. And all of a sudden he looks down one day. We don't know if it's on his arm or or if it's on his leg, or if it's on his neck, but the Bible says he's struck, or he suffers from from leprosy. And leprosy, uh, back in that day, was extremely contagious, Um, and even incurable at times. Lepers were often quarantined outside of the city into camps. Historically, whenever you would take out your trash, uh, back in those ancient Middle East days, you would take out your trash and you would go to the wall and you would throw the trash over the wall and, and lepers would be there to, to gather the trash. But for whatever reason, Naaman was able to, to, to persist in his, in his position. So this was some kind of low grade or, or, or low form of leprosy, yet leprosy was known to progress. Right. So even though he may have just had a, a little bit of it, eventually it would have shortened Naaman's life. I remember growing up, uh, I'm the youngest of 24 kids. Shout out to my dad. I love you, man. Youngest of 24 kids. And so I remember growing up and um, with one of my brothers in particular, uh, we would always play fight, always play fight. And, you know, I'm eight years younger than him. So p- picture a seven-year-old fighting a 15-year-old or eight fighting a 16 or nine fighting 17. You, you know the math. 
And so we're just fighting, and I'm, I'm doing my thing. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I might get a, a side hit on the arm, and he, oh, and I might get one in the rib, and I might get one in the tummy, I might get one in the chest. And he's like, uh, uh, uh. But when my brother was done with me, <laughs> he, he knew every time where to hit to, to make me go down. He, know, he knew every time where to hit, where to strike to make me go down. And you guys know this. We all know this. If you want, if you want to get someone to go down, you hit them right there in that midsection. <laughs> right there. So big siblings, you know, right there. And it just, it knocks the wind out of you. And, and that's kind of how life is. We go about life. We're going to work. We're, we're going to school. We're doing our thing. And, and before you know it, life, life tends to, boom, life tends to knock us down. Yeah. Go ahead and write that down. Life tends to knock us down. It's almost like before COVID came, we were, we were going about life. We were, we were marrying and we were going out to the movies and we were going out to the coffee shop and we were going out to eat and we were pursuing our dreams and we were doing all the things. And then before you know it, bam, right there in the midsection. And it just knocked us down as a society. Yeah. And we're still, we're still kind of, right. kind of struggling to get up. That's because life tends to knock us down. We live in an imperfect world with imperfect people. And that's, that's that's perfect breeding ground for imperfect situations. Life, life knocks us down, be it financial or relational or global pandemic. And I think more than more than the virus, I think I think our greatest enemy now is fear. Yes. And, and if we don't know how to cope with that fear, wow. we, we can tend to cry out to God and ask God, where are you? I thought you were the God of the impossible. I thought you opened doors. I thought you were, where's the God of the Bible? Where are all the miracles? You know, why can't you just do away with the virus? If we don't know how to cope with fear while we're down, we can become bitter towards our creator. And so that's really what's at stake right now is our attitudes. And and so, yeah, the, the series is called The Way Up, and it sounds good, and it sounds sexy. But I, I'll be honest, this, hey, welcome back to Happy Habits. This is, this is like Happy Habits Part 2. Happy Habits was all about values. Yeah. This is another series about how we can, how we can get our spirits right. That's right. Because I think if you're going to win in this season, it's about winning here and here. Yeah. It's, it's about winning on the inside. This thing may not change for a very long time. But as we're waiting on God to move, what do we do in our hearts? Yeah. And in our minds and in our spirits. How are we spirit led? Fresh water. Second Kings 5, we'll go to verse 2 and it says this. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as her maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So, and you know, a few a few hundred years before, David was the king of Israel, and and this this shows you the power of leadership. So when David was the king of Israel, Aram was paying tribute to Israel. But but now we've gotten a few kings away from David, and these kings, large in part, have turned their hearts from God. 
And now Aram has risen in power and influence. The, the nation of Aram, they go into Israel whenever they want and they raid the place. So they went into Israel and they took this little girl and they made this little girl a, a servant of Naaman's wife. And so this little Israelite girl who believes in God, you know, just a little platform, just a little bit of influence. This little Israelite girl who believes in God says, man, I can really serve a purpose here under my master Naaman. And so she, she says to Naaman's wife, like, I wish he would go to Samaria and talk to this Jewish prophet. So Naaman told the king what the girl of, of Israel had said. Verse five. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Aram, Aram told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to take the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as, carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. There was some kind of belief back then that kings had a divine power to heal. You know, back then, kings were, in a sense, kind of equivalent to, to God's, lowercase g. Yeah. And so not only that, but this is also the king of Israel. So the neighboring nations had heard about the miracles of Yahweh and how Yahweh was able to do all these miraculous things. So he said, you're the king, you heal him. And this is the king of Israel's response. He says this in verse seven, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? Can I, I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. This is the deal. Had he not been able to heal him, this more powerful king could have used it as a reason to go and attack Israel. So he's worried. He's in a debacle. Life is knocking him out right now. Yeah. Verse 8. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. Send this powerful man to me. Now, now this, this is the prophet of God. So enters Elisha. Go ahead and take these notes. So Elisha is, is God's, God's main man. He is a prophet of God. If, if you want to translate that word prophet, he is a messenger to the kings of Israel and to the people of Israel. He's a messenger sent from God. He, he's the leading prophet. So Elisha has a national platform. And uh, he often guided the kings as well as the common folk. History records that his ministry spanned over 50 years. So he was able to minister to, to many kings. It would be the equivalent today of having a pastor be side by side with President Trump or President Obama. You choose. Right. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. he, the, the great thing about Elisha is that he performed twice as many miracles as his predecessor, Elijah. Elisha is actually a type of Christ, mm -hmm. Elisha. And I don't have time to get into that. Maybe one series we will, but this is the most important thing that we have to recognize about Elisha in this text. Go ahead and write this down. Is that Elisha represents the power and the presence of God. Yeah. So Elisha represents the power and the presence 
of God. And it says this here in verse 9, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. I love this story. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry, stalked away. I thought he would have certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. What I want to do now is I want to give you two things or two approaches that when you're down, because they say you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or you're going into a storm. So at any rate, wherever you are in life, eventually you're going to hit a tough time. Eventually, life is going to take you down. So what I want to do is I want to give you two warnings or two approaches to life that when you're down, two things that will keep you down. And number one, this is our pride. Our pride will will keep us down. So Naaman pulls up. I mean, you got to think about the second most powerful man and probably the most powerful nation around. He pulls up. He has his chariots and his horses and his men. And he has all these gifts and all this money and he has a little leprosy on him. He pulls up to his house and he says, man, I, I thought he would have certainly come out to meet me. I'm important. I got an issue. Wow. I'm important. There's this comedian that I'm trying to tap into it, but I'm preaching. Yeah, I'm important. Like, it's, it's like, I'm important. I thought he would have met me. What this is revealing is, is, is Naaman's pride. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm important. Right. I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm showing up and aren't you going to come outside and, and say hello? Don't you know I could destroy Samaria? It's me. That word pride there, if you're taking notes, it means it means a lifting up, a lifting up or pride means to lift me up. Pride says it's it's all about me. It's all about me. I got this. Do it my way. I pulled up. You come outside of your home. It's about me. Do, Do it my way. This is the weird part about it is that Naaman needed Elisha. Elisha didn't need Naaman. So where in the world does pride come in right here? Where in the world do you have any room to be prideful? Put it to you this way. We need God. God doesn't need us. (laughs) God, where are you? Open the door. Open the door. Give me the job. I'm here. I'm crying out. I'm praying. God doesn't have to move if he doesn't want to move. God can choose to heal however he wants to heal. God can choose to do away with COVID whenever he chooses to do away with COVID. But our pride often says it's about me. Do it my way. I'm indebted to it. So, you know, there, there was a war in the heavens before, you know, a lot of people believe before the fall of man. And so if you go and you read through the book of Isaiah and in the book of Ezekiel, you'll see where an angel, his name was Lucifer. And um, 
The Bible says that he desire within him to be elevated into the place of God, right. to be lifted into the place of God. He said, I will be like the most high God. And, and God caught wind of it. And, and God, God banished Lucifer, who we now know as Satan, yeah. into the earth. And the Bible says that through his prideful deception, he was able to take one third of the heavenly host down to, to earth with him. Yeah. And so think about the garden now. Think about the garden. Think about the garden. Think about the garden. Satan goes into the garden and he, he talks to Eve. Mm. Yep. And he says to Eve, bite the fruit. Because in the day that you eat the fruit, you will know as God knows. So the same temptation, the same thing that's tempting Naaman to bulk up when he needs to, because he's the one in need. The same that's tempting Naaman to bulk up is the very thing that got Eve and Adam to fall in the garden. And it's pride. Pride, pride will keep you down. As a matter of fact, the Bible says this here in Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride will bring him low. A man's pride. Go ahead and write this down. When you're down, it's not about you. But it's about the one who has the power to lift you. When you're down, it's not about you. It's about the one who has the power to lift you. So our, our, our pride will keep us down. I mean, in my marriage, man, God for what, seven, eight years now has been, you know, as I've opened up to, to listen to my wife, it's, it's just been, you know, I'm a man, I'm the man, the man of the house. Voice get all deep. I, don't, I naturally don't have a deep voice. I'm the man, now sit down. But, you know, that thing right there, man, won't that mess your home up? That prideful approach? So, so, so it's our pride, it's our pride. And when... <laughs> I, I need this camera. When you're down and you need help, you're like, I need help. Mm. Somebody help me. Mm. Now, you better help me the way I want you to help me. Wow. Yeah. H- help me. I need help. You Come better on. help me the way I want it. Wow. Lance, does that make any sense? Wow. And, and this is the thing. We're all in this thing together. And, and that bitterness will, will feed that pride. Like, God, where are you? <sighs> and, and that's Naaman's issue. The second thing that will keep us down is our preference. Our preference. Naaman says, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, better than any of the rivers in Israel? <laughs> Shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? Our preferences will keep us down. Now, and I get it. The Abana and the the Far Par, they historically, you know, so uh, Syria is just straight up desert. And so these two rivers, they they come down from a a lofty mountain. And and they they, they go through the city uh, and the nation of of Aram. And and it's the reason for a a lot of their beautiful gardens, even to this day their trees and, and their rich fruit. Wow. 
these two rivers, and the waters are very clear and pristine. So you can't really hate on Naaman, (laughs) right? I mean, you can't hate on a sister that wants him six foot, 190 all muscle, (laughs) PhD, 250K. I can't hate on you, sis. I can't hate on you. But your preference is your problem. Wow. You know, in contrast to the Abana and the far part, the Jordan River, you know, it, it, it borders Israel on the east side, northern to southern, about over 100 miles or so. And uh, it was created, a lot of historians believe, as a result of volcanic eruptions. Mm-hmm. Th- thus, you have uh, a lot of dirt. Yeah. So it's between mountainous depressions and and, and so, in contrast to the Abana and the Farpar, the Jordan River is very muddy and murky. Yeah. So it's dirty. Yeah. It's dirty. Yet, the Jordan River has a rich history in the scripture. You don't hear of God doing anything yeah. in, in the Abana and the, the Farpar River. Yeah. But the Jordan River is where the children of Israel, God had promised them a promised land. After 40 years of navigating through the wilderness, they... they, they, they came to the border of the Jordan River and Joshua led them across the Jordan River on dry ground into the promised land. It's the Jordan River where when David is is on the run from his son Solomon, he's God's chosen vessel. He's God's chosen king. And and he not Solomon, but he's on the run from his son Absalom. It's it's at the Jordan River where God provides for, for, for David. It's at the Jordan River where God protects and provides for um, Elisha's predecessor, right. Elijah. It's at the Jordan River where Elijah splits the river and he walks across with Elisha on dry ground. Yeah. It's at the Jordan River where when Elisha sees Elijah go to heaven and he drops his coat to receive a double portion of his predecessor's anointing. It's at the Jordan River where Elisha took that same coat and slapped the ground and parted the waters and went back into Israel. It was at the Jordan River where God did his greatest work. And I need you to go ahead and write this down. God does his greatest work in the places we least prefer. Why can't I just go to the Abana and the Far Par? Because God ain't did nothing in the Abana and the Far Par. It's our preferences. I don't prefer this job. I don't prefer this apartment. I, I don't prefer this place. I don't, I don't prefer the situation. I don't prefer COVID-19. I don't, I'm going to get all my Christians now. I don't prefer this church. It doesn't do enough for me. It doesn't serve my needs. I don't prefer. I don't prefer. It's the preferences. God does his greatest work in the places we least prefer. That's why I don't judge people. Because th- there's a person that could be low beneath your shoe today but you give them five six seven ten years you're gonna wish you stayed connected with them because you saw their skin color because you saw their age because you saw their political affiliation because you saw their social status you did not prefer to be proximate with them but God had his hand on them it's your preferences that will keep you down when you're down come on now church 
What about the Ababa and the Far Par? If I was Elisha, I would have came out and said, those are weird river names. Why would you even want to? The Jordan is simple. And I'm going a little bit ahead, but go ahead and write this down. God's stuff is simple. And it's better. Go ahead and write this down. My dad used to say this, so I, I love it. It a preach. I was studying. He used to say this. He says, it's our wants that set us back, and it's our needs that push us forward. And, and I'm not saying don't have desires or don't have preferences, but what I am saying is you got to filter them yes. through the heart of God. You got to filter your preferences. He wanted the Abana and the Farpar, but he needed the Jordan. So, so where he came from was Damascus. And so he had already traveled 100 miles to get to Samaria to see, and he will not see Elisha because we don't see God. Once again, Elisha represents the presence of God. So there's no need to see Elisha. Plus, he's a type of Jesus. Jesus could just speak and heal you. So he came from Damascus 100 miles to Samaria. And he wanted to go back to Damascus another 100 miles. Do you know how close the Jordan River was to him? The Jordan River was 32 miles south. Your preferences will have you doing more work. Than your needs. Wow. I, just, I gotta find it. I gotta find it. I gotta get it. I gotta be there. If I can just be there, I'll be healed. If I, I'll be good. I'll be good. No, 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 no. Your preferences will wear you out. Mm-hmm. And you gotta ask yourself this in this season what, what preferences am I holding on to? that could be blocking the provision that God wants to bring into my life. What, what preferences? What, what thought-up solutions of minds am I fabricating that could be blocking the supernatural provision of God from flowing into my life? And, and so, yes, those two things, and I'm, I've taken up a lot of my time because I don't know, maybe the Spirit's just here. Your pride, my pride, our pride, and our preferences when we're down will keep us, will keep us down. Second Kings verse 13, 5 verse 13 says this, but his officers, Jesus, I'm glad that he had someone in his life, unique community in your life. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? I love that they bring this up because they're saying that you're a strong man. You like obstacle courses. You, you like to do difficult things. So, so you can go back to the king and say, I did it. Right? So, and they're hitting on it. So they also say this here. They say, so you should certainly obey him when he says simply. <laughs> simply. I'm, I'm sorry, I skipped my point so fast, but I, it, it was flowing. 
God's stuff is simple and better. When he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Verse 14 and 15 says this. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed. So he went down and he dipped As the man of God had instructed, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Verse 15 says this, then Naaman and his entire party went back to the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. I want to give you two simple ways when you're down. And this applies to every season when life knocks you down. Two simple ways when you're down. Two simple ways to elevate. Two simple ways to elevate. Number one, I want to encourage you in this season. Walk in humility. Walk in humility. I remember when when we moved to Maryland, uh, May of 2016, and I received some, some, some pastoral counsel, and my wife was also in agreement with this, this decision. Um, my wife being a nurse before God brought you on over. And um, the, the agreement and the plan was, was for us to move with me and Judah, Jay, you, and, and Nemo. I mean, a whole, a whole family. And for me not to work at all. And, and as a man... It's like, oh, how do you not bring home some, some tip money, something? Yeah. But, the, but the agreement was, no, you don't work. You focus on the boys, and you focus on moving Highlight Church forward. Yeah. And so for the first 10 months, yeah. um, if not even more, a year, because I'm talking about not when we start the church, but when we move May, for the first year, my wife, Pastor Kyra, she was the, she was the, pri- the only breadwinner. And, and that just, that just, whoo, that humbled me because I, I would see her come home. She would be tired and then she would cook dinner. I'm like, I should have cooked. <laughs> she would wash the dishes. I'm like, Why, how did I miss those dishes? They've been there all day. She would bathe the boys and, and clean the house on the weekends and she would go in, you know, full time and she would come home and, and not just stop after she worked, but she would go and lead the worship team and, and sing and pray for people and meet up one-on-ones with people. I'm like, is she pastoring the church and bringing home? I mean, like, what am I doing? But it was, it was very humbling. It, it was very humbling. And, and so I love what the Bible says. It says that, so, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River. He, 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 he came to his senses and, and he began to, to humble himself. Yeah. Say, man, if I really want this healing, if I really want peace in this season, if I really want joy in this season, yeah. I, need to, I need to get out of God's way. I need to approach God differently. Yeah. I need to approach life differently. And I, I, need, to, I, need, to go, I need to go down. Why is this important? It's important because God has to kill our pride before he can introduce us to progress. God has to kill our pride before he can introduce us to progress. 
if there's really going to be any true progress in, in your peace and in your joy, and if you're going to make meaning out of the season and come out stronger out of the season, yeah. you got to kind of toss in the white flag yeah. and say, God, like, I'm, no, I don't agree with this and I don't like this and this is uncomfortable and I don't fully understand it, but, but you're in control, not me. You, you, yeah. You're in control, not me. It, it's not about me. That's what we need right now. We need the spirit of not about me. My pain is not about me. The lack of money, it's not about me. The, la- the lack of whatever I'm feeling, it's not about me. It's about, it's about the progress that, that you want to introduce me to yeah, yeah. from a yeah. spiritual standpoint. Yeah, it's about my wife. If you're married, it's, it's about my kids. It's, it's about the kingdom of God. It's about the church. It's, it's not about me. It's about what God wants. So I love Peter. Peter wrote, wrote first and second Peter. And he was Jesus' main guy. And, and Peter wrote these letters to a group of scattered, persecuted Christians. And, and one of his pieces of encouragement in 1 Peter 5, he, he said, God opposes the proud. So, so God does the Heisman. This is, this is what this means in the Greek. Come on. Um, child, come here. So God opposes the proud. That's what that means. And he says this here. But he shows favor to the humble. And so Peter says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. The the hand that Peter is referring to is the hand that Jesus is currently sitting at in heaven right now. Because he died for our sins. He stayed in the grave three days and he resurrected. He stayed for 40 days and he ascended into heaven. Now the Bible says he sits on the right hand. So the right hand of God is the hand of power, the hand of favor, and the hand of strength. And so Peter said this. He says, look, Christians, I know we're scattered. I know we're being persecuted. I know we're in lack. I know they're hunting us down like dogs. I know life has knocked us out, but this is what I need you to do. And I, when I, so humble yourself under, under the mighty hand of God. And, and as you humble yourself, we're back on the verse that he may lift you up in due time. That he may lift you up and come on, put your hands together in due time. In due time. So, so Naaman has this disease and he's went from this big man to this iwi piquito. <laughs> That's good. And, 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 and Elisha's just like, I'm just telling you what Jesus is going to pass on to Peter. And I'm, gonna, I'm just telling you how God works and how he's been working since the beginning of time. Just go down to the Jordan River. Yeah. And in due time. And the verse also says this here, 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's how you walk in humility. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking more of God. And and what I've come to find out is, is that the way up, write this down, the way up is down. The way up 
The way up is down. And so the second way that you elevate when you're down is to walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. And so that there, are, there are three ways that, because the Bible says that Naaman followed the instruction that he had been given. So there are three ways that God gives you instruction. Number one, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. If you've received Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Fresh water, last series. Through the written word, God wants to, God wants to instruct you in this season. The written word. Devour this word. Stand on this word. And, and then through spiritual leadership. So, so check this out. Naaman did not have two of these. Naaman did not have the Holy Spirit in his heart, and he did not have the word of God in his hand. But he had spiritual leadership over his head. And, and this is another ploy of the enemy in the season is to detach people, not just from church, but from their spiritual covering. If, if you don't have covering, if you don't have spiritual leadership, you will miss one third of the instruction that God wants to pour into your life. Holy Spirit, written word, spiritual leadership, one third. So, so, so you need covering. And, you know, I, I've sat in some, some large and small rooms, and, and I've been in the presence of, of a lot of people over the past few years, and I've seen the stark contrast between those who have walked in obedience and those who have not. And I'm going to just tell you, the, the blessing and the deliverance and the favor continues to find those who apply and who obey the instruction of God. So the Bible says he went down to the Jordan River and he dipped seven times. Had he dipped six times, he wouldn't have got the healing. Had he dipped ten times, he would have brought the leprosy back. He had to dip seven times times. Maybe you've left this message and came back to it and you're on another message with Stephen Furtick and you're on another message with T.D. Jakes and you're on another message with John MacArthur. Maybe you've been between messages. My only thing I want to encourage you to do is to apply at least one of our messages. Because you can get a lot of fast food but until you actually settle in on a good old meal and allow it to get in your heart and begin to apply it and obey it. I just want to encourage you. Obey. This isn't in my notes. Go ahead and write this down. Instruction before elevation. Instruction before elevation. God has given you an, an instruction in this season. And, and if God has not put a deadline on it or a number on it, 
You just obey and you obey and you trust and you trust until he shows up. If God has given you a number, if he has given you a deadline, you do what he told you to do and you watch him move. And what we see in the text is we see a God who wants to bless a man who does not believe in him. He wants to bless a man who does not love him, who does not serve him, who doesn't want anything to do with him. God wants to bless and love and heal a man who just wants him for his blessing. This is what you call the grace of God and the love of God. And that's what's available to us in this season is the grace of God. It's the grace. And, and all God is saying, he's saying, just, just drop the pride. Drop the preferences. And trust me. I want to do a work in your heart that has the power to heal you and set you free during this mess. Just drop it. I, I got it all under control. Because the power and the presence of your God are far greater than the problems in your life. This is what Naaman came to find out. The power and the presence of of my God. And, and And the story tells us that he went on to believe in the God of Israel. And he went on to go back to Syria and Aram and and, and preach about this God of Israel. The power and the presence of your God yeah. is far greater than the problems yes. of your life. Yes. Come on, church. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. What I want to do is we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord, just want to let you know that God loves you with an unfailing love. The Bible says that he is the God of a thousand generations. He's been running after you all of your life. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He wants heaven to be your home when your time is up in this earth. And so even now the church is already praying. But if you want to receive Jesus in your heart, if you want to be made right with God the Father, just pray with me. Pray with me right now. I, I feel it. I feel it. My ooh. I feel it. There's someone there. There's someone there. So just pray with me. God is going to clean you up. He's going to forgive you. He's going to give you a spirit and give you a new start. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Make me new. Father, I pray that you would forgive me for my past. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood for my sin. I am yours. Give me your spirit. Make me new. I trust you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church. Amen, 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 amen. Well, God bless you. And if you just made that decision for Jesus, I just want to let you know you've just made the greatest decision in your life. And so go ahead and let us know and um, reach out to us. We want to walk with you. We want to we want to encourage you to get into community and, and, and provide you with the necessary resources to continue to grow in your faith. And, uh, hey, we're praying for you guys, and we want you guys to have a phenomenal week. And uh, we'll see you for week two of The Way Up next Sunday. 
We love you guys. Come on, church. Let's celebrate it. Awesome.